0: I am back with episode two, season two of Woman in Media, hosted by Chanel. Thank you, KCSS listeners, for coming back. Now, today's special guest is... Ashley Graham. She is the regional marketing manager and art director for Live Nation in the Bay Area and her second home is the Fillmore. So we get to talk about that historic venue and what it means to her working there. Her relocation from Washington to San Francisco great college advice for students so be sure to listen to the entire interview and our mutual Johnny Depp Obsession. You're going to find out what is Ashley's favorite Johnny Depp movie. So stick around here on KCSS. I just want to say thank you so much for joining my woman in media podcast. Of course. Yeah. Happy to participate. So we have two things in common. One, we work for Live Nation. I'll tell you what I do later on. But okay. two, you are a huge fan of Johnny Depp. And so am I. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How did you find that? <laughs> I uh, do my stalking research on social media. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Okay. You dug in there pretty deep for that.
0: I was really impressed with your collection. <laughs> so I feel like I have to show you my very small collection of Johnny Depp. I have all four seasons of 21 Jump Streets. Nice. I even think that the last season without him was still good. It's a great show. Right? <laughs> My first love, Edward Scissorhands. Of course. And I'm wearing an Edward Scissorhands shirt. I I, I could have dressed for that (laughs) if I'd known, but I didn't know. Next time, we'll (laughs) coordinate. And then my favorite, Benny and June. That's my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) You know, it's so funny. The one who told me about this movie, strangely, was my high school biology teacher. He's like, have you seen Benny and June? Cause he saw me with like my Johnny Depp bag. I'm like, no. And then I watched him like this outdid Edward Scissorhands for me.
1: It's wonderful. So just to get like extremely nerdy, right from the beginning, Benny and June was filmed in my hometown. I was maybe like eight years old when that happened, not to date myself. So I was very aware of like a film being made and like this girl that I was on the school bus with plays young June in that flashback scene and was like talking about it for weeks, like showing up and doing the whole thing. So my mom and I went to like the dollar theater at the time, finally to see it when it came out. And like, I not to be so silly, but like literally watching him at the end when he swings in front of the window, I was like, I always say that Johnny Depp like ruined me because like that, his look in that era is like, my type it was like somehow my little 10-year-old 8-year-old 9-year-old brain was like what it like changed me yeah so i do this like ridiculous johnny depp festival every year 8 days of depp i've been doing it for so long and i don't want to say how long but the exterior of the house in the film is in spokane washington where i lived and you can airbnb it so i actually like rented the house one year and had the festival in the house.
0: Oh my gosh, that is incredible. I love this story. I'm going to have to go to Washington. I was going to mention that because I did see that you attended Seattle University. So are you originally from Washington? I actually
1: have a dream of owning the, so the Benny's car clinic still exists there. And the sign like just fell down in the last few years. And so I have this sort of like vague dream of like, taking that over and like having to be a car place, but like also maybe doing like a bakery and like cool stuff and have like weird Benny and June memorabilia.
0: Yeah, like have tapioca. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's silly. Going back to where you're from in Seattle and everyone knows that Seattle is huge grunge scene. What made you move to San Francisco? I
1: worked in music in Seattle. I worked there for about five and a half years. And we were at Live Nation doing mostly like large venues, amphitheaters, arenas. And we handled Sasquatch Music Festival, which was always sort of my favorite thing at the Gorge once a year on over Memorial Day weekend. I guess I was always, I did a lot of like independent publicity work with local bands up there. And I kind of always was more interested in the development of talent and this sort of rise of success, the trajectory that a band goes on. And in that office, we weren't doing a lot of that, right? We were like kind of seeing acts that like were already established enough to play. This job at the Fillmore came available and they called and I was pretty hesitant because I loved Seattle and I was pretty well connected in terms of like what I was doing. And, you know, I had a lot of stuff I was doing on the side. I mean, obviously the Fillmore is the Fillmore to begin with which was such a fun opportunity or fun idea at the time. But also I think it's sort of more in that wheelhouse of what I was more interested in, which was like developing bands. The Fillmore is an interesting size because it's like that size where you're kind of like finally have made it to some extent because you can sell 1,100 tickets, but you're still kind of on your way up. And I think that that's a really fun window to kind of be able to peek into and also to participate in and feel like you're kind of helping the development of an artist. So with some, you know, trepidation I decided to move down here and I've been here now for 9 years and it's funny because I have very much the same kind of situation that I had in Seattle where like I have a lot of other projects and everything at this point kind of informs itself meaning like the more I know about the local music scene here the more I can like understand how to work my shows at the Fillmore and all of the stuff that I've learned at Live Nation for so long has like very much informed how I book a local show or book local bands or work with them or you know I think part of the education process of just kind of always challenging yourself and always trying to find something new to learn and dig into because as with everything like it can help you find the next step right like find the next project or whatever and and that's certainly been true. And that was kind of how I was in Seattle too. And I think with the relocation, it just took a little bit of time to sort of get my roots established here and doing a lot of random things like
0: Rewind Wednesday, even <laughs> like a, hosting a film series even. So yeah, because I was looking up, you know, your LinkedIn, and I saw that you've done publicity, you've done writing, and also your role in Live Nation as being art director, but also regional marketing manager. So you know, having those roles, was it kind of easy to transition from one role to the next or like, you know, how did you evolve to where you're at right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was a coordinator in our Seattle office, which is a largely support role. It's, you know, processing invoices, making sure ticket giveaways are set up and and that kind of stuff. And I've always said, it's funny because we just hired a new coordinator at work and I told her in the interview I was like, these jobs are kind of what you make of them. Like if you're really really good at the five things that you have to do, we'll give you more and it'll be a little bit more hands on and it'll be a little bit more ownership. And so in Seattle, I was really interested in publicity at the time and so they let me take on, you know, writing all the press releases and doing all these different things that you know, was above and beyond maybe what the core responsibilities were, but it was sort of where my interest lied. But I think the differences have been just in learning and even in the role that i'm in now which is the regional marketing manager i think it's still kind of like that coordinator thing where it's like once you get all the main stuff done then you can be more creative then you can think outside the box then you can you know come up with a cooler partnership or think about something different a lot of these jobs is you know very similar you do a lot of the same thing for most of the shows right like Every show goes on sale and you place a Facebook ad, right? So then the job becomes, what can you do beyond that? Like, what can you think of that encapsulates something bigger than just these five pieces that have to get done? And I think that's how I approach the role. And it's sort of interesting. I took over the art director job mid-2019 so kind of in a funny time. So like we just got rolling with it and then the pandemic happened, but that was so much fun because I all of a sudden was on emails with graphic designers and people who are like far more creative than myself. And the conversations that I was having about that stuff, coming up with visuals and coming up with concepts and stuff, like very much starting to inform how I looked at like the day-to-day functions of my job and as a marketing person. And so That art director job has always been sort of outside of the, well, not always, but for the last couple decades, it's been a contracted role. It hasn't been someone that's in the office. And what happened was that the art director, Arlene, retired after like 35 years, like literally one person had ever owned that. And by that point, I think I was pretty well established within my role and within like the Fillmore as an entity was the very natural person to sort of step into that which was a great honor of course because like Fillmore posters are a really big deal they take it very seriously the broader you can look at the big picture from the outside looking into like the more creative you can get within these sort of shows like opportunities come up all the time with some of those that present something. And I'm like, oh, if I can do that with this, like, maybe I'll do that over here. Like I work with a local artist named Andrew St. James. We do shows outside of my technical job, but we have posters designed all the time and do artwork and stuff. And so sometimes one of those artists is really great. I mean, they're all really great. They'll come and do a film or poster with me or vice versa. So the more, you know, and the, the wider the scope of what you're looking at every day, the better you're going to be at everything. So
0: you touched on a lot of things <laughs> I didn't want to go through. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's the story of my life. <laughs> but yeah, I did read upon that you worked under Arlene, the a former yeah. art director, and quite some time. And so my podcast, Women in Media, it's not only to give a voice, to give a platform for women working in the industry, but. I do this podcast for a college radio station. Mm -hmm. And so primarily, my listeners are going to be local, and also emphasis college students for our listeners out there who are right now in college. What would be your career advice, like if they are working under a manager, you know, for an entertainment company like live nation? Like how should a manager take notice of them? And they're like, Hey, I trust this person to take more of a leading bigger role. Right.
1: Over the years, you know, there have been people that fit really, really well. And I think a lot of that is just sort of instinct. And like, I think music is, it moves really fast. It's sort of like you can keep up or you can't, and I think for me, it's like somebody that has initiative and that will take ownership of stuff and just like turn it around like that, like attention and organization. I want things done. Being responsive, these ask questions. So be willing to learn and be willing to listen, take things and run with it with proper direction. Generally speaking, like ambition. And one of the things I've been saying in these interviews with the coordinators is like everything you're about to take on is something I'm doing right now, because you don't, you're not there. <laughs> so think of it that way. Think of it as like, these are all the things that have to happen in order to make that show happen. And if you're not doing them, the manager is doing them. If the manager's not doing it, the director's doing it, right? So these are all important things. And so nothing can be beneath you because like, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years and I still have to make sure that there's no typos on the flyer. You know what I mean? Like, I think people see, you know, the words live nation and they think that sounds cool. The reality is it's a lot of work and it's can be invoices. It can be whatever, you know, it can be a lot of order forms and stuff like that. So I think coming in without ego and without attitude and just being willing to like do the grunt work while you're learning is a really big thing. And I'm sure that applies across many industries as well. I did so many internships in college (laughs) And one of those was at Live Nation. And it was like a paid internship. And so I did it all year. I did it from like September to June, my senior year of college. But I also like interned at a record label and I interned at a magazine. I did four internships total. I did not get credit for some of them because I didn't like the college was like, why do you keep doing internships? (laughs) Like You're supposed to do two, you know. But I was just eager to like, find my spot and find what I was interested in so that when I entered the workforce officially, I kind of knew where I wanted to go. And that can always change and opportunities can be there and not be there. But I think the more education you can get in the real world, Before you kind of enter the real world, right, when you're in your college bubble, it is so great and so beneficial.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's like you're reading my mind because (laughs) I'm getting like actually alerts from Live Nation that they're doing the internships. And so I was going to ask you that, like what internships are available for Live Nation in the Bay Area that students can apply to?
1: I think that there's going to be two summer roles within marketing. There might be some within the booking department as well.
0: Yeah. And for, again, our listeners, these are paid internships. And it's great advice that you said, like, you know, just don't, you know, one or two internships, like, you know, try to like broaden your horizon, try to take as many internships as yeah. you can, as long as you're flexible with your schedule. Even my journalism teacher said that she said she took on multiple internships. That's a way to open the door. For sure, because it broadens the network of people, you know. And so I know that the Fillmore has been a second home to you. And like you said, like everyone knows the Fillmore because of the historic venue, everyone, you know, gets a poster, the apples, <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's got it all. <laughs> right. So I want to point out, you may recognize I have a couple of Fillmore posters. I know. You oversee the artists. Are these artists employed by Live Nation? Are you kind of scouting them? How can an artist get their work on the poster? It's largely my taste. <laughs> One of the things that I've tried really hard to do since
1: I started is pick the artists really strategically we usually get like some ideas from them and then choose to go forward with like this idea of of the three or whatever. And, you know, historically, I think sometimes there would be like, we'd get those three ideas or whatever it was, and it would be like, "Eh, none of these are quite the right vibe, you know? And so when I took over, I was very much like, okay, I'm picking these artists so strategically to match them with the show so that like when they send ideas in, it's gonna totally make sense for that show, you know? And I think a lot of that is just awareness. Like as the marketing manager, I'm super aware of all those bands already. Like I have an idea of like what their promotional photos look like or what their artwork looks like or what their album cover looks like or whatever. So I can kind of like get the vibe. We're always taking like emails from artists. We don't use everybody that hits us up. I'm always open to like look at portfolios or anything like that. Probably the easiest way to reach out is like through Instagram. You know, I think sometimes people... Reach out and they're like, oh, you know, she's excited. And then, like, they don't hear from me. But it, the reality is, we don't do a lot of posters. And sometimes it can take a while to find the right fit for everyone. I love looking at people's, you know, artwork that I haven't been exposed to before.
0: I'm going to read your quote that you did for the Chronicle because you're talking about how, when it comes to designing posters, you have these questions whether, you know, what's the purpose of these posters and what's going to make people like hang it on their wall. So can you give me a specific example where you're kind of doing this art direction of maybe a particular artist? Maybe there's something that you kind of stumped on like, ooh, if you had a creator's block, like how did you overcome that and, you know, foresee the creative process of it?
1: I think for me, sometimes I get a little too in my head about what's right. Very young artists or very like trendy artists where I sort of worry too much about like what it'll look like. And also I do really think about what people are going to think when they have it put in their hand at the end of the night. And I mean, to be very honest, like I've been outside the Fillmore when people are complaining about the poster. I've been outside the Fillmore when people are over the moon about the poster you know i've seen a lot of reactions and i think all of that is sort of informed how i think about the process of it and because of that maybe i put so much pressure on it the reality is that kind of thing is so subjective not everyone's going to love the poster but it is very important to try to like get it to the point where people are like whoa this is a work of art it's not just a show poster but it's like really something I think I maybe said this in that Chronicle article as well, but like I've been the marketing manager at the Fillmore for so long and it really took taking over the posters for me to be like, oh, I'm part of the history now. This is like a step, like this is something different. These are posters that historically anyway, like these posters are celebrated in a way is very unique within the music industry and are looked at as like a legendary thing that happened. And this is a different era of it, but it's the same tradition. Years from now, maybe people are looking at a giant book of Fillmore posters from over the years. And maybe some of these are in that book, but it's an important part of the puzzle.
0: I'm so glad that you're part of that history. In the future, I'm going to have to get a Fillmore poster that you directed and like get an autograph from you.
1: Oh, yeah. That sounds funny, but
0: (laughs) sure. Why not? Art directing, as well as being the original marketing manager How do you show creativeness in your marketing role? It's
1: challenging. I'll be honest. Like on the club level, there's so many shows all the time. And a lot of it is sort of that. I don't want to call it tedious, but that kind of like the same things you have to do for every show. I think where it gets a little more fun is when you can put together sort of more interesting packages of advertising with different outlets whether it's radio whether it's somewhere like do the bay different promotions and the bigger the artist the bigger the sort of splash I think and so they often have to do really crazy projects we've done some stuff on social media over the years like especially at the beginning of the pandemic since we had nothing to post I was furloughed for a lot of the time but before that I started a series with some of our graphic designers for the posters and it was just like, a little video clip of their creative process and then a little biography of like who they are and what they do and where they're from or whatever and posted that. And then I also started a series called Sunday Serenade on the Fillmore's Instagram. And I did Sunday Serenade for like months, like into my furlough, I was still posting on the Fillmore's Instagram. And everyone was like, you know, you don't need to do this. You're like, kind of not employed, even though you're employed, but like, and I was like, no, I want to like keep the Fillmore's Instagram alive. I had kind of this like mission with it. And the Fillmore also like, we don't get to have local bands on the stage very often. So it was a really nice way to like give the platform over to the local artists, but something I'd love to like revisit and expand upon in some way. I think most of the creative side of what I've been able to do has
0: been outside of the day-to-day of those shows, but the Fillmore as an entity and a brand. You working for a big music promoter like Nation and climbing up the ladder. And I spoke to another publicist and we were talking about how sometimes the music industry, the entertainment industry kind of feels like a boys club. So as I mentioned before, I feel like, you know, this podcast is not only for women, but for college students as well. And I want to know, and I'm sure the students want to know too, is when it comes to being employed in this business, what is seen too low as a salary? How should I know my value? I think that's the big question.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of torn because I think You know, like I said, with internship stuff, like I very much err on the side of like, get your foot in the door. The biggest thing I'd say without like actually putting numbers to anything is like do research and figure out what similar roles are paying, which seems like oddly easy with like Glassdoor and those websites where like even I do that, where I'm like, how much does a director make in, you know, whatever. And sometimes I'm like, whoa, like I think the music industry is like famously underpaid. I think it's a balance of like what's sustainable. Certainly don't make yourself uncomfortable, right? Like don't be scraping by, but you know, those entry-level jobs are going to be low in like the Bay area. It's very hard because it's not competitive with a lot of entry-level jobs at tech companies. I think be mindful of like what a competitive rate is, not necessarily for you, but across, you know, similar roles. Also know maybe where to expect what you kind of are thinking going in. And so then when you see the offer or you get the amount, you're not shocked. Know what you can live on, right? But like, you know, figure it out for yourself
0: and then know how much you want for a comfort zone. Yeah, that's very helpful. Earlier, you're talking about how you represent Andrew St. James and Fast Times. You also do... Rewind Wednesday at the balbora Theater. To me, you have so much on your plate and yet you make so much room. What keeps you hungry? What keeps you motivated to doing this? I do all the events with Andrew. Rewind Wednesday
1: is thing too. I do some publicity work for some nonprofits here, like Hip Hop for Change. Long Live Love Foundation, One Found Sound Orchestra, it is a lot. And some weeks, it's too much. In the case of like the nonprofits and stuff, like that's definitely a passion thing. And like, those are organizations I feel very strongly about. And so to me, it's kind of like, there's sort of low pressure in the sense that like, they don't have publicists otherwise. So I can advocate for them and sort of like utilize the network of people that I know locally to sort of continually keep them in the mix and keep them top of mind. The stuff with Andrew has been life-changing, sounds like a pretty heavy thing to say, but it definitely shifted my perspective around. I met him in summer of 2019 and sat down with him and he explained like his vision for this like promotion arm became Fast Times Presents and it was smart. And it made sense to me. And I thought, man, like, I think I can add to this. And what we've been able to accomplish with, like, two years of us knowing each other being in the middle of a pandemic, like, has been a lot. And I think the accomplishments are big. I think sometimes at work, you can feel like you're one piece of a giant puzzle, And you don't necessarily feel like when a show sells out at the Fillmore, I don't necessarily feel like I had anything to do with it because it's like band's really popular and I did this thing, but like, you know, maybe it wasn't as much me as the booking person or whatever with those local shows. Like we do everything start to finish and it feels very much like my own accomplishment when I sell a lot of tickets or when the artwork's super cool and people like it, you know, like I think the ownership within that has motivated me a lot. And the story that I think we've been able to carve out about the two of us and what we're doing, him as a local musician and me as a sort of seasoned concert promoter is really interesting. And we did this concert delivery where we delivered free music to people's driveways. And we did that for months and months. It sort of showed me like every outlet in town wrote about it. We were on every newscast, like it became this thing because nobody else was doing very much. And I think in the middle of that, it was really the light bulb of like, oh, we have something to offer. Like we have good ideas. Like we're contributing in a big way. People are really reacting to it. And obviously in the middle of all of that, like it was a little easier. Right. But I think for me, it was like, we're like super capable of coming up with some fun ideas. And we've been able to carry that in. Like we did an event at the Fort Mason drive-in with the Roxy theater where Andrew performed and we showed music videos and we showed a movie and We've taken that concept of the Roxy. We're doing events at the Balboa Theater with music and film. But I like to think of them not as just shows, but as events. How can I make them more than just a show? How can we elevate the experience so that, and I hate that word experience because it's so loaded now, but how can we make it more exciting than every other night at every other club? Like, how can our show be the show that you have to go to? There's a creativity to it that's really fun. Like I called Andrew and was like, man, I just saw this like random pizza delivery truck drive down the street. And I thought, well, if they're delivering pizzas, like maybe we could take music. Like it just was literally like that. And Andrew was like, let's try it. And I think that willingness, like there's just two of us, there's no real argument in trying things out. And I think that's been really fun for me.
0: I remember seeing that as well as Sunday serenade. So these yeah. are incredible ideas. Funny that you see how you don't like the word experience, because I think that's like a total Live Nation thing. Because like, I was going to bring that up. I work seasonally for Live Nation at the Conquer Pavilion as, okay. as a stagehand. What has been your favorite show at the Fillmore? probably Patti Smith's show
1: that we've had. I think there's artists that come through the Fillmore like that. You're just sort of like, oh, wow. Somebody like Patti Smith really reminds you of the history and reminds you of the legacy. It wasn't a New Year's Eve show, but it was like right around New Year's Eve. And I remember at the end of the set, she just like threw her arms up and said, long live the Fillmore. And I remember just being like, Wow, this place matters. Like, God, people love this place day to day. I'm just answering emails and placing spends and like doing the kind of boring stuff, right? And it's very important to go inside of the Fillmore every once in a while and just like stand there and experience the way that people are feeling. Our first show back was September 4th, and I stood in the middle of the floor as people came in. And just wanted to, like, see the faces of these people as they reentered the Fillmore after a year and a half of not, you know, having to be closed. And the first band started and I just, I started crying because I just was like, wow, like, this place is a house of music. It's been closed for so long and it matters so much to so many people that the doors are open again. This is what this room is supposed to be doing and it's doing it again, you know. And it was very emotional. And so actually, maybe that was my favorite show, which was Future Islands. The other thing I always say is like every night at the Fillmore is somebody's favorite night at the Fillmore, you know, like there's somebody in every crowd having the best night of their life. And I love that. And that's such a motivation for what we do.
0: And is that what you also love about your job, too, is just like seeing the fans having that moment that creating those memories. They're just not going to forget an event at the Fillmore. Yeah,
1: and I think for myself personally, like I think a lot of us that have worked in music a long time go to show so much. And there's a reason I got into this, you know, I had all of my high school music obsessions and college music obsessions for so long was such a fan. And I still feel very connected to that. It's the idea that you're contributing to somebody's best night. Work has been super challenging since I came back last May, but I kind of keep reminding myself you're part of the revival of live music coming out of this historic event like you are a part of reopening the doors of the Fillmore after this pandemic like that's big I take that very seriously and I think every night on the calendar means something to me because of that.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> You're going to get me so emotional. That was so good. I got amazing. goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, it's true though. Like, I think that's the perfect way to end our podcast. Dang, you guys started on Johnny Depp. So like, <laughs> it just goes from there. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Of course. I'm always happy to, you know,
1: have something else to do.
0: What's a powerful message from Ashley Graham of Live Nation. And also it makes you think to never take live shows for granted and i'm super happy that they're back also make sure to follow live nation sf on social media and at soundwaves tv because ashley is so awesome she is partnering up with me to doing giveaways for live nation so look forward to seeing you listeners kcss listeners being winners and enjoying some amazing shows at the Fillmore at the Masonic and a huge applause to Ashley Graham for being a guest on my show now Ashley this song is for you I'm sure you picked it up right away it's the Proclaimers 500 miles from our favorite Johnny Depp movie, Benny and June. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. And thank you KCSS listeners for always listening. And yeah, take Ashley's advice if you're interested in, in working for live music and an entertainment industry like Live Nation. They are doing paid internships, so check that out. Otherwise, you know, keep listening to The Valley's True Alternative, 91.9 KCSS, and keep looking out for new podcasts from me, Chanel, with Woman in Media and Jam on It. Until then, hasta la vista.